0: You've discovered the Questions and Course Corrections podcast sponsored by Compass Coaching Limited, and I'm your host and the coach, Mary Holmstrom. My passion is to serve as a Life Transitions organizational strategist and coach, working with women of faith as they travel through their process. I'm also a podcaster, as you can hear, what? A motivational speaker, an artist, a linguist, and a born world traveler. I created this podcast because I love collecting interesting conversations and ideas that mean to give pause to some of life's tough questions and maybe inspire you to do a deeper dive into a conversation of your own and possibly even discover a personal course correction. If you've stumbled into this conversation and you're thinking, hey, I do need a coach because I'm looking to address the course corrections of my own life, toggle on over to my webpages, compasscoaching.com. That's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-K-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot com. Why the K, you ask? Well, the domain with a C was about $10,000, and so I thought it might be prudent to mix it up and save the money for more important things like a microphone that I'm using right now in this podcast. But enough of that. So, let's get into it. Hey, everyone. I've been thinking a lot about broken hearts lately and about how we're attracted to different people for various reasons throughout the different growth spurts of our life. I mean, we change as life moves forward, right? We're not the same people that we were when we were a teen or 25 or 53 and so on. Those phases in time certainly help to shape us, but we're not defined by them. And why is that? Because in our moments, we still have the choice to be intentional about the life we live. We can live out loud, we can scroll away. We, I mean, sometimes those growth spurts though, they back us into tight spots. So I'm sure that many of you can relate in part to the story that I'm about to relay. My One of my tight spots was with the, uh, the high school quarterback, except I wasn't in high school, I was in my early 30s. So the proverbial high school quarterback, let's call him. And I look back on that time now and knowing that a lot of the choices that I made were fallout from 9-11 trauma, I hadn't dealt with, frustrations with the trajectory of my career, many other things, of course. But I think the main reason I ran straight into that disaster with a side of fries was because I was so frustrated by God's timing in my desire to be married and have children. So I decided to let this thing happen because this person came calling hard and he said all the right things, mostly. And he was driven. I mean, I loved how he pursued me. I'm an opinionated self-starter with drive and passion, and he was not afraid of that. But I see now how his security was based on his bank account. And how much he thought that he could control events with that and the emotional manipulation he exerted that he'd learned from his father, which eventually played a major role in our relationship, but by the end looked and felt more like emotional abuse and a lot of gaslighting. Over the course of, the, of our time together, those bits of me that were so full of that initial passion and my strong opinions shrunk more and more each day that we were together. I dumbed myself down for him, even my vocabulary. I mean, I was trying to be what I thought he needed. I saw him as this deeply wounded bird and I thought, I can save him. I can show him what true unconditional love is. That's why we'd cross paths, right? Or so I tried to convince myself at the time. I know, cliche city. My hindsight tells me now though I was in part angry. I was experiencing the fear of missing out. FOMO, as the kids call it these days. And as I saw each friend and colleague, what have you, get married and begin a family, I knew. I knew he was not the right person for me. But I went along because I thought he was my chance, my only hope at that time in my life. After all, it was in my 30s, and some of life's natural course of action boxes hadn't been ticked off. And I wish I wish that somebody would have said to me at the time, Mary... If the answers lie within, then the lie is answer is also within. But no one would have blamed me, right? I mean, I was going for it and everything seemed on the up and up on the surface. And God hadn't delivered the desire of my heart. And I was basically constructing the future that I thought I wanted. Maybe it was just too small of a thing for him to pay attention to or even care or whatever I thought at the time. Those are schoolgirl whinings. And I certainly wasn't as spiritually mature as I thought I was, yet spiritually discerning enough to know deep, deep down that this was the wrong person for me. But by that point, I was too embarrassed and far along in the process to admit my poor judgment and too rebellious to backpedal at that point. I just thought, you know, everything will work itself out the way it's supposed to. Well, it did. And guess what happened? You're right. I ended up dumping him. And it only took me five short years to get there. Now, I'm leaving out a lot of the details, obviously. But honestly, the pressure of this guy's noncommittal, arrogant insecurity and indecision was the straw for me. And I'd finally worked up the irrepressible strength to end this relationship. I mean, he was getting his cake and eating it too. And worst of all, he had no idea how great he had it. But I was done. Yay. Right? No. I was so low for weeks, months. But I was the one who broke up with him. So I should feel happy, relieved. I should feel free, right? I was heartbroken. But now I know it wasn't about him. I was heartbroken about myself and the reckless judgment that I'd made because of the fear I'd built up around that part of my life. I was embarrassed about making and sticking to a foolish choice and path for myself that I knew would be a disaster. It felt at the time like a trip on the Titanic. There was a lot to sink and I was in denial about the leak in the hull. Regardless, breaking up with him was the right decision for my future, for my life, and hopefully for him as well. I mean, I send him only light and love and wish him happiness in life. And in all fairness, I did play a part in the demise of our time together, and I fully own that. But in the beginning of those dark days, I was moving from moment to moment, functioning at work, and then retiring each evening with a little bottle of red wine and a pack of cigarettes. And for the record, I don't smoke anymore, but I do miss it. Am I allowed to admit that? But it's no good for your health, so don't do it, kids. Back away from the bodega. Anyway, this went on for weeks, and then something happened. I was watching TV, flipping around the channels when that kind of thing still existed, and bumped into the movie Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. I love that movie. I don't remember the scene, but I smiled and uttered what was arguably a form of laughter. And I'd realized that it was the first time in weeks that I'd actually laughed or even cracked a genuine smile. And it was because I'd gotten out of my head, right, for that moment. But then I suddenly remembered reality and immediately shrunk back down because the movie was almost over. And it compounded the fact that the one good thing that had jarred me from my zombiness in weeks was ending. And I remember thinking to myself, Thinking, being the key word here, I wish I'd stumbled across this sooner. And then I'd probably just lit up another cigarette. I didn't say anything, utter anything, except for my boggled, laugh, snort from earlier and went on with the evening that had become rote for me at that point. And the next day I got up, I went to work, I played my part, and I came home. And when I opened the door of my apartment building, My eye immediately caught something on the foyer table stand. And there sitting on the table was the movie Big Daddy. And I immediately began to cry. And the emotion I felt in that moment was so palpable because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt in that moment that the Lord had heard my thoughts the night earlier. He'd understood my pain. And had been saving every one of my tears. He'd never taken his eye off of me. And I knew that he didn't judge me for the decisions that I'd been beating myself up over. Moreover, I knew that was evidence of how intimately he knew me. He was Big Daddy. He is Big Daddy. And he would take care of it all. My past, my present, my future. I don't know how that film came to physically come to pass in that hallway, but I know that Big Daddy made it happen. This is how the Lord feels about us. He knows us in every detail of our life, every minute, indescribable nothingness in our eyes. He cares. He knew my struggles and why I'd made the decisions I'd made better than I knew myself. He knew how I needed to come out of the other end as well because he knew I needed to laugh. Now this isn't a cautionary tale, Unless it resonates with you in particular, I guess. This isn't a woe is me attempt to justify my choices. This is a story about how I discovered how personal and awesome God is. How deeply he cared for me, even in the most innocuous of situations, when I just stumbled across something to laugh at and experience a bit of desperate joy. And that those would be the next steps to my healing in those moments. And he's continuing to bless me and grow me and forgive me and teach me, challenge me, even test me. I'm older now and a little wiser, I hope, at this point. But I can honestly look back on those quote-unquote wasted years, what I thought they were for a really long time, and know that the Lord was with me the whole time, protecting me, sometimes from myself, and nudging me back to him and his plan for my life. Big Daddy's plan. His adventures are far more exciting and unpredictable, I can assure you. But had I forced that course, my merry plans, it would have created a life of deep heartache for myself and others versus just a momentary heartbreak. Those years weren't wasted. I would have preferred to have avoided them But they've been some of the key building blocks that have helped me find my true north. So I'm grateful now when I reflect on those so-called mistakes because there really are no mistakes. If we qualify our decisions by judging ourselves, we stay in a loop. Or worse, we freeze. Now that's a mistake. But if we see our decisions through the lens of discernment, we can use our heartaches for loving and for better choices, being intentional, being ourselves more fully sharing from vulnerable places that may even help others be themselves more authentically and honestly. So they ask themselves the tough heartbreak questions and maybe avoid a heartache life as they pursue their own true north. And by the way, heartbreak doesn't mean you're broken. It just means you got more pieces to work with now. And Big Daddy is the master mosaic artist who knows those pieces, cares more than you know about those pieces and is closer than your own breath if you're ready to give him all the bits of those sharp edges. That's all for this time, but I'd love to help you with any of your course corrections, so if you'd like to talk about your heartbreak or anything else and start discovering your next journey, email me at info at compasscoaching.com, and remember, coaching is always spelled with a K. Until next time.